I'm Lisa DeLay, and you're listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. Welcome to Spark My Muse, everybody. Today I have a return guest, Petra Carlson Riddell. We spoke on episode 125. She's a minister and associate professor of systematic theology and the academic dean of theology at the Stockholm School of Theology. Today we're going to be talking about her book, Foucault, Art, and Radical Theology, The Mystery of Things. This is out with Rutledge, New Critical Thinking in Religion, Theology, and Biblical Studies. Thank you so much, Petra, for being my guest again. Thank you for having me. So as we start digging into some of these themes a little bit, could you give us just a general lay of the land of your book? Yes, the book is a, it's really a result of, uh, well, of a long time uh, interest in a, in a philosopher. But the reason why I dug into uh, Michel Foucault's works on, on art is that I, I wanted to find a different way of being spiritual, I think, and being and thinking theologically. And I wanted to be able to do that through something that was concrete, more hands-on. And mm-hmm. and uh, with a thinker writing about art, I think such a thinker is, is on the search for something similar. I think that he also wants to be able to, you know, kind of drag heaven down to earth in a sense and mm. make it into something that we can touch and feel. And so when I started reading his work on, on art, it was kind of like three different histories or stories appeared to me. That was partly, of course, the history of art because he he goes through, like from begins with Velasquez and then goes through art history when he writes about art. Uh, so that's a kind of known story. And then it's a history of his own personal development because it's uh, his pieces on art are, are spread out in time so that you see his own personal development and as a thinker. Uh, but reading those two stories, to me, made a third one appear, which is a story of a kind of an unorthodox uh, spirituality, uh, but one that searches for a way of being free as a as a thinker but living in in deep respect to you know other living creatures but also to the things of the world hmm. and so this is really a something we're we're talking about something that we can kind of touch or embody or and there's something about activism in your book as well um it's very approachable uh, you speak a lot about art, and and how is this different than how people normally approach theology and spirituality? Yeah, well, the the basic way of thinking here, I think, is radically different from most theology mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Uh, to to Foucault, the world uh, as it appears to us, that's the truth, mm. you know, or, or that's as far as you can get, you know, and when it comes to truth and, and to understanding things. Mm. And I think actually that kind of the, you know, the screen, the internet surfing screen that we have in front of us uh, <laughs> so often these days is is a, a good image of that kind of knowledge, you know, it's just 
chaotic all that the knowledge mm. side by side juxtaposed on on that screen and you can you know search through it and taken all taken together it of course it's nonsensical you know it doesn't mean mm. anything if if you take all of that kind of the expressions of knowledge in the world together uh, and there is no finally no uh, you won't be able to find that kind of higher point from which it all makes sense. Mm. Uh, and and that's, I think, how how reality comes to us. And and he kind of embraces and accepts that and say, okay, so this is what knowledge is in our time. Uh, and how can we handle that? You know, mm. you can despair, you can think, oh, this is scary, or you can think it's, uh, it's wonderful, it's liberating, but... Mm. Uh, but still we have to handle it. And so, and I'm trying to think then, what if this is a a way that kind of divinity or God appears as a kind of chaos, multiplicity of expressions and appearances? And so I'm just really trying to view theology, theological truth as that kind of surface rather than you know, from the mm. bottom down, as we usually think, or mm-hmm. we down here searching for the truth up there, or, mm. or the perfect me somewhere else. Or mm. um, yeah, yeah. In, in your book, you say theology as material and performative to broaden our sense of what theology can be. Yes, yeah, exactly. Because I, I think so often, like when you go to church, you think that you ought to feel something special or mm. be in a certain way and that that's one that's one starting point for me was that working as a minister and seeing these people walking into the church building mm. and at least in my tradition it's not that people look as if they're freer than ever when they enter the church it's quite <laughs> quite the opposite actually they start to get you know should I have my hat on or you know or should I kneel or <laughs> whatever? <laughs> we don't do that that much. But uh, and so, so no, just starting to wonder what is it that makes that makes us think that there is always there's always a kind of a rule that we should obey or something that we should conform ourselves to. Mm. But instead, I started viewing like the church room, for instance, as as performative. As mm. aha, this is where theology is created mm. every time you or i or someone else walk into the church room theology is recreated once more mm. and so when you walk into the church aha uh-huh, so that's a believer mm. you know that oh oh that's a new expression of belief mm. uh, even though you know you're you're lost or you don't know what to do or you don't know what you're thinking or aha <laughs> uh-huh, so that's faith oh i didn't know that you know that kind of thinking like letting go of the idea that there is a goal to how you should be as a Christian and thinking instead that Christianity performs itself Mm. uh, in the world so that that is you know every time something Christian appears that recreates and creates Christianity and and well shows the face of God in a sense. Mm. It's really like an unfolding uh, yes, and yeah. not a not a destination, an unfolding and a becoming and going toward, um, but yeah. not so much uh, arrival. No, exactly. And then, and well, related to what I said before about, you know, you could 
you can see that as well oh what anything goes could it, you know what will where will we end up kind of thing <laughs> um but i'm i'm thinking that you know that's also we are also part of it we are part of this kind of expressivity or performance and and we all do take part and of course we are not we are not free to do whatever because we are also part of the tradition or whatever wherever we come came from and mm. So you think that the community holds itself together as well um, by its tenants and things like that. But um, yeah, it's tricky in, in a way too, because then what, what some people will think is out of bounds, other people will think is fine, I suppose. Uh, yes, of course. But I think that if you also view it as an ex- as as a you know something and as a kind of ongoing creation where mm. god is also active whatever you you know you see more god as a kind of creative force life force or so but mm-hmm. then uh, then everything that is different from what you thought christianity would be could also teach you something of how big god is or how mm. big the mystery is and and so i think uh, even though it it's not an easy way of viewing theology. I think it's a uh, one that could be both humbling and, but mm. also, uh, you know, well, inclusive in mm. a true sense. Yeah, it it reminds me of um, maybe you've heard some of the interpretations of the creation story being um, told in the manner of building a temple that the image that's put in the temple, there is no image because the people, the humans are the image of God and uh, the concrete, the the people are the concrete image of God, the God who has no image, who is not a thing, who is spirit. And uh, so then humans are performing for the, the bodiless God, for the, for the non thing god and it's kind of a um that's what it reminds me of is that it has to be performative because god does not have a body god does not uh is isn't described as one with a body that yeah yeah exactly yeah that yeah i had a a discussion i think it was over a, a nicholas cusa text uh not so long ago with some students and and one of them, you know, just suddenly after a while said, oh, wait, but if we are in the image of God, then, and he just, you know, looked around the classroom with all those faces, and then, then, then this is, God is this plurality that we are, you know. Mm. And it was so beautiful thinking that, yeah, all of those different expressions of humanity, uh, mm. well, all that taken together is, is God because we are in God's image, you know, that, that mm-hmm. kind of, and that's also makes uh, God so much greater, of course, than thinking that, yeah, there is this ideal human that we are, mm. we are imis- or barely resembling, you know, mm-hmm. something completely different. And so what is meant by post-representational? And uh, that's precisely the idea that, um, which is, which is a, uh, an art term, mm-hmm. uh, but to me also a theological term or something that I use in theology because uh, when uh, 
uh, in art, you know, quite quite early on, you started dis to discuss whether uh, where is the reality of a picture? Is it uh, is it the real? You know, when I've painted an image, is that uh, is that the tree? Is it the tree out there that I painted? Is that the true tree, or is it the tree on my painting? And uh, so, is that just a representation? A representation, or is it a presentation of a truth in itself? You know, the, the flat canvas with, with the art and paint and whatever happens there. Uh, and uh, in art, uh, gradually grew this idea of of the canvas being a, a reality of its own, which, which then ended up in a kind of art for artsy kind of idea for a while and so on. But uh, but when you bring that kind of idea into theology it quite easily uh, it, it's or it's quite easy, easily done in a sense because it just makes you ask okay so if this is so this world that we have here with you know the limits that it has uh, is that an image of a true is there is there something truer than than what i'm experiencing right now or mm. what i'm or is there even a better way of saying what i'm trying to say or the uh, is it so that that there is always a, a present, a truer representation somewhere else? Mm. Uh, and if you just try to think theology as not being that, which it ha which it has been for for so long, at least in Western Christianity, it's not really the same in in Eastern Orthodox Christianity. I've come to think, but anyway, uh, things happen if you think of theology as post-representational which I've been trying to do that is simply trying not to think that mm. there is a truer reality somewhere else but that this mm. is the divine place mm. or this is where God appears. That makes me think too that this divide between eastern and western thought that sometimes happens and how do people in in Asian cultures receive Christianity or um or how is it flavored in in their from their culture? Because there is much more in, in Eastern thought this non duality, and yeah. I wonder if it's uh, you know this leftover from from Greek and Roman thought that we would think in in those representational terms. Yeah, I think so, and I think it's inevitable. You know that. So early on, the idea of God was modeled upon this highest abstract perfection, uh. Uh, and the idea of which was in Anselm of Canterbury and in mm. Augustine and Thomas Aquinas, and you know, mm. everyone in different ways had this idea of the highest truth and like pure perfection that was God, and then there was this, you know, um, what is it, scale of like lower, lower down, mm. <laughs> down to earth, and. Uh, and of course, that has affected how well how we view and measure everything. I think mm -hmm. we do in many ways yeah. that there is always this higher perfection. Yeah, and I don't think that that was as present in in uh, Eastern thought. Yeah, that and the consequences are can be very serious because then you can have this great disdain for the body for the functions of the body such as sex or of females being less than males for whatever reasons um it can be very damaging effects that 
kind of yeah definitely the culture culture nature thing and also i think uh, environmental mm. uh, the idea that that you can uh, dominate and control uh, what the earth and the planet that we have in inherited and that we can you know because because we we have this connection to this superiority where we can and rationality that somehow gives us the right to to use matter and to use organisms and mm-hmm. animals and not feeling one with them but feeling dominant and superior exactly yes yes or or, or yeah you know and and the, the good side of course is that you can feel responsible but mm. but then you still have that kind of dominance and and it's still kind of up to you and and so you you're not equaled with or leveled with uh, with the other organisms mm. uh, and and i yeah and i think that the way we think about truth and, and knowledge and and god affects also how we uh, our our relationships to well to nature and other creatures mm. what's interesting though what i've heard from from jewish people is that that is not a very jewish way of thinking that a more jewish way of thinking is that creation is good and not, not, not at the bottom. <laughs> um, in, yeah. o- in other words, that God made it good. It is good. And, um, you know, people can be bent toward evil, but that nature isn't, um, I mean, there can be problems with it, but that it's not, there isn't a hierarchy like that. Any, anyhow, there's more of a oneness and I, mm. I see this oneness in other Eastern, Middle Eastern and Eastern ideas and thought. And even if you take it to um, Hinduism or Buddhism or something like that, there is a unified idea of connection that, yeah. I, that I think is absent in, in Western Christianity sometimes. Yeah, I, and I think it, it's quite obvious. I mean, if you read the Old Testament stories, it, it's it's so much, you know, mud and dirt and sandals and mm. and hands-on things and and then like for instance when when Moses meet meet uh, meets God in the burning bush that's mm. he actually walks toward it and and it's actually happening there and it's this big this light that that um what do you say it's too light he can't see I, I don't mm. find that word in English right now but mm-hmm. but that story is uh told then as a kind of a kind of a parallel to to you know Plato's cave which is a completely metaphorical and the abstract story of this sun which is truth mm. uh, that makes you unable or that you're you're shackled and you only see the shadows on the walls and that's you think it's reality but it's not and then you walk out and see the sun and mm. and you know that and all of those kind of images that came in from from uh, hellenistic or greek thinkers mm-hmm. where they fit so well with with parts of the jewish inheritance and that kind of wisdom but still it's so different because it's <laughs> yeah it's abstract <laughs> and and it's not actually about a, a guy walking around and and having this bodily experience but it's just mm. a, yeah it's just a metaphor yeah right and it, and it's so interesting that um you know even in the incarnation of jesus jesus is touching uh 
people with skin disorders actually touching them and putting mud in their eyes and eating. And there's this very bodily way Jesus goes about in the world that is very embodied. It's, it's in the sense of it's so embodied that, you know, that's why there's controversy right away. Is he God? Is Jesus God? Because he's so yeah. embodied um, that, you know, there's controversy that on that. Um, that's why John kind of steps in with a gospel, I guess, or or what have you, and, and tries to yeah. say <laughs> he's the son of God, really. Um, yeah, yeah, which which really is something that grows on them, I think. I mean, the son of God right. image is not doesn't seem to be there from the beginning. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I think uh, I, that's it's really interesting how that sort of uh, evolves, and and I think um, you know that that gospel comes along much much later, and it, as a as a much more thought out piece with themes and, you know, light and dark. And it's, it's a whole different. Yeah. 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 And it's the logos there in the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, the word is connected Mm -hmm. to which then the Neoplatonists, it was so easy for them to connect to. Oh yeah. We have the logos as well. Is this Mm -hmm. rationality that makes you clear Mm -hmm. your thing, see clearly kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not so much a a play by play of what Jesus did. It's much more of a apologetics or, or something like that that moves on to something else more than yeah. more than just eyewitness. But um, and my my favorite is uh, Mark may, maybe um, Peter's sermon or something like that. But then at the end, it's just like <laughs> and and the women the women reported it and they were dismayed and this dot dot dot. Yeah, <laughs> what? <I know. laughs> that sounds. Very odd. <laughs> it makes I know, me I like that nervous. <laughs> That's all that it makes me is nervous. <laughs> but I think that the, uh, I mean, what, what's interesting about that, if you can hold that intention, is that, no, it's not really solved, is it? It's not really solved. No, I, definitely not. And so... You know, you could try to, I mean, later, let's wrap this up nicely. You know, Paul's like, we're not even talking about the women. <laughs> <We're just kidding. laughs> let's pretend that didn't happen. But but it's really interesting as it try, they try to clean it up later. Uh, you do have to come to grips with, there's a lot of weirdness here. And we're not exactly sure. Jesus didn't bother writing anything down. So that's interesting. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's how it plays out. And how it's still unfolding, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and exactly. And it was like that from from the very beginning with those yeah. stories, and also yeah. then that, as you say, you know, you had to keep it all, and you know, because those women witnesses are most likely, you know, you say that, yeah, they must have been there because otherwise they wouldn't have kept them there the story <laughs> because because it, would, it was hard for them. It was awkward to try to spread the uh, <laughs> right, you know the. Yeah, what had happened due to, to with them as witnesses, but then, uh, but but still, you had this feeling of yeah, we have to keep every single word and every character and mm. and you know of of these stories, and so mm-hmm. it was it really started with this kind of uh, multiple plural kind of voices of both mm. things and and uh, people, yeah. even even the embarrassing parts stayed in, <laughs> yeah, um, and and so. Um, you know, and and the funny thing about the the evolution or, or the development then of Christianity is really there's the allowance of multiple points of view, multiple ideas, just like in Judaism, until 
until you have the empire take over essentially and say, let's get all on the same page. Let's do the creed. Let's do, let's make sure we know what we believe and, and then everything else will be, you know, considered heresy. Uh, but, but in Judaism, you're allowed to, <laughs> it's fine. Debate is good. And at the end, everybody's family and can get along and move on. And then we'll argue again. And then, We'll go have something yummy to eat, and then <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, because that kind of that because that's knowledge, and and that's what something that uh, you know God wants us to have in in mm-hmm. the Jewish tradition, and also uh, yeah, that that kind of knowing you know the the fall is not the fall in the Jewish tradition, but mm. it's the becoming of becoming human and mm. because it's well to know these different things and that there are different perspectives and mm-hmm. yeah that's that's not a problem it's an awakening uh, of sorts so nice. yeah yeah but it's also yeah exactly but it's nice also i think to to see how uh, within christianity as well that that just keeps you know you, you try to you have these uh, uh, you try to gather people and to write the creeds and mm. to hold it together, but then it just keeps slipping out. Some someone starts adding something to the creed. And- <laughs> <laughs> but what about this? But what about that? Yeah, you yeah. can't hold it together. Exactly. I wanted to at some point get around to punk prayer and <laughs> political activism and things like that. How that can be theology too. Um, you, you approach that in your book, and and I think it's very unique to your to your book and what you have to say. Do you want to broach that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I started reading about uh, the Pussy Riots punk prayer, uh, which happened in in uh, 2012, uh, and in the Cathedral of, of Christ the Savior, which is like the main cathedral of the Russian Orthodox Church, where the patriarch. Kirill is like the head of it. And uh, uh, and I, when I started reading about that event, which is a quite famous mm-hmm. thing that happened, I started to realize that something had happened in the course of, well, its its journey through media, really, when it spread out mm-hmm. in the world. It, it Because it started out as when these, when the young women of the Pussy Riot at the time uh, tried to explain what they have done, it appears that they are truly uh, theologically aware mm. and it's a theological point that they also want to make. Mm. Um, so they argue based on the Bible and on Russian Orthodox thought tradition, which, uh, you know, from, from a distance you can think that, oh, well, Russian Orthodoxy is, is a lot about you know, different rules. You should be and do this and not do that and strict liturgy and that. But, but you know, you also have the Dostoevsky. You have the kind of thinkers that always have been uh, kind of the, the holy fools. And, mm-hmm. and so it's not – so there's a lot to – you know, there's a lot for, for these young women to, to find in the Orthodox tradition that mm-hmm. is uh, – that can support what they want to do because what they have seen is that – well, the patriarch is moving closer and closer to the the regime, mm. and the two need each other to like legitimize what what they do, and uh, so the Putin needs needs kind of uh, a bit of holiness from the church, and the mm. church needs a bit of might from Putin, and mm. and so. Uh, but what gets lost, uh, the pussy riot girls 
things, or girls, I shouldn't call them that, but they're older now, but they were quite young then, but, um, is that there is a, uh, an aspect of, of faith, uh, mm. which is for them, uh, they describe it as a humble way towards freedom and spiritual liberty. Mm. Uh, so for them, uh, well, the gospel is really all about uh, being, uh, walking humbly in relationship to others so that you yourself can have the same freedom and so that uh, uh, the freedom to be, you know, can spread in the world in a sense. Mm. Uh, and so they find this uh, particular liturgical form, uh, a liturgy for uh, within the Orthodox tradition that you can use in times of national crisis, really. Mm. Uh, if you find that uh, the state is in some kind of a crisis, which they find then because, you know, mm. their interpretation is, of course, that, yeah, well, we're walking hand in hand to mighty people here, you should protect the church, but what are you doing, patriarch and so on. But so so, so they, uh, they use this liturgy, which is Moleben, um, which is a which is then allowed in these kind of crisis situations. Uh, you're allowed as a as a non-clergy person mm. to to celebrate it and to pray to to Mary. It's directed to Mother Mary, and so they of course place their young woman bodies in a place where women bodies are never allowed mm. uh, below the iconostasis in in the cathedral because. Of course, you can't become a minister in that church or a priest. So, uh, and so they and they start dancing this punk dance. But to them, it is a prayer, mm. and I, I truly think it is a prayer. Uh, and I also, and if you read, like the reactions from the time, mm. it's uh, a lot of a lot of priests uh, within the Orthodox Church support them, and they say, yeah, yeah, we recognize this. We know it's a Moliban. It's a, we understand what they're trying to say, mm. and we they have a point, and and we can support them in this. Uh, but what what, the, what is then so interesting is, of course, that this turns into a court case, and mm. and they're sentenced, and uh, in the end, and so what happens is that in the courtroom, uh, uh, the court has to ask and answer questions such as, well, what is a prayer? Mm. Uh, you know, was this a prayer, or was it just activism or hooliganism even? Uh, and who is a Christian? Mm. Uh, are, are they Christian uh, or? Are those who felt offended by this prayer Christian, uh, and and what is a church? Because hmm. some some argued that well, this isn't really a church because it's more of a kind of tourist attraction thing. Oh. Um, a lot of many parts of that building in a way, but so is this truly a holy place? Uh, and if so, was this an offense of the holy place? You know, this, so it's oh. really these kind of theological questions being discussed <laughs> in the courtroom, which is so interesting. Uh, and of course, what the court decided upon was that Christians, those are people who feel offended by <laughs> punk prayers. You know? oh. so, so, so that's kind of, uh-huh, okay. So not, not punk people. Uh, and, and, then, so, and, and what is a prayer? Uh, well, it's not punk dance. <laughs> and what is a church? Well, this is a church. You know? so, so they were, oh. uh, they were interpreted as hooligans and the church was kind of those who felt <laughs> who felt offended by them. Mm. Uh, but what happened at the same time, of course, is that, you know, those questions were asked. And the images of these young women dancing 
was spread, you know, so quickly all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my view, then, of this kind of unfolding of theology, I'm thinking, aha, so that's political theology, you know, mm. adding, you, you kind of, so uh, adding a, a theological expression that wasn't there before, but that somehow indicated that maybe this could be prayer. Maybe mm. we could pray this way, you know, punk dancing. Yeah. Mm. And maybe young women in, in, in this kind of clothing could be uh, liturgical leaders mm. and, mm. Uh, and could be, uh, you know, believers. And of course, so, so even, if, even if that's not what the court decided upon, the question was asked, and it was not evident because it took quite some time to, to get to the point where you could definitely say that, no, those are not Christian. Mm. Uh, so uh, it kind of moved and t- bent and twisted and turned so that you at least opened the window slightly for thinking that belief and theology is something else, uh, which in turn also opened for the kind of political theology that uh, theolog- theological expressions that is also a way of critiquing or expressing mm. something you're not satisfied with in society. Yeah, I see but what you mean. It happened, opens the door. Yeah, yeah. What happened later was, of course, that so many uh, kind of left thinkers, leftist thinkers and theoreticians who who are not interested in theology uh, mm. You know, usually the combination is not so common, although it has become a bit more. I know that Slavoj Cicic, uh, one of uh, mm-hmm. a philosophers who's been really interested in Paul, he, he wrote letters to them in prison and so And I think they had some theological discussions there. But apart from that, the media image, of course, was that they were just kind of atheist uh, mm-hmm. punks against the church. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's definitely the I never knew that there was anything sincere about what they were doing. It all seemed to be um, the coverage anyway on NPR. And I, I really enjoy our national public radio um, was was very much um, it was an affront to the church, but definitely kind of a slap in the face to Putin as well. A protest, but it wasn't ever mentioning um, any kind of prayer aspect or any kind of religious aspect it was seen although i think people still appreciate it in the united states appreciated that something would be punk i mean just just the fact that it would be rebellious is an american staple let's just say (laughs) Uh, we're founded on rebellion and kind of always enjoy it but um but and then their sentencing was extremely harsh and so you know that we root for the underdogs too so i i think um but the idea that they were actually doing a liturgical form of prayer was i have never heard that till i read your work and then you really start to think hmm what else could be prayer what else could be performative prayer you know this actually gets very interesting when you think of vigil and we think of the migrants who are trying to come into the United States and the the ways we can protest and do theology mm. in real life. Yeah, definitely, and because you, yeah, because there, I I think that that's that happens all the time. Also, because Christian imagery is also uh, it, it's strong and it's mm. it, and it's mighty in the sense that that you get 
well, you get people's attention and you, and mm. you can use it. And it's also this kind of room. I know that there was this activist group in Germany uh, when the refugees uh, came flooding into the country and, and they didn't get any proper burials. But then there was mm. this theological activist group who, who well, arranged an actual uh, burial ceremony uh, for so to make these people mournable, you know, just to mm. to create a space or a room where these are not just figures or mm. or headlines in our newspaper, but but mournable bodies and mm. and persons. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I don't think that if it hadn't been ministers and priests and also uh, an imam mm -hmm. was there who. Who did that? I think that it would simply had been seen as a kind of political action, mm. but a theological action is something else because it, mm. it 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 opens for well for the mystery of mm. of personhood and mm. and of what it is to be and and to exist and mm. to cease to exist, mm. uh, and so it's not a you're not simply making a political statement if you're if you're a minister and 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 you know crossing yourself over these people uh, mm. that have lost their lives and yeah it's a uh, it's yeah. a human statement and, yeah 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 and uh and that's a connectional statement then it's a, it's more powerful than politics but it's it's also more dangerous in a way because as mm. soon as you humanize somebody it starts to transcend politics, and then it actually gets more dangerous because if you have a, an agenda that is different from, you know, what someone's protesting, uh, then you you've made a new enemy. <laughs> you know, you, yeah, yeah, so yeah. so then you could have you can actually have enemies on on every side of the political front, even though mm -hmm. you're trying to be in care of souls, in care of humans. Uh, and you might might wind up making political enemies on all sides. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, have you, as a minister, ex explained any of this or brought any of this towards your congregation or expressed this in any sorts of ways? Yeah, I have. I, I don't. I, I don't have a congregation at the moment because I, mm. I teach uh, ministers and pastors to be. Uh, but I do mm -hmm. still celebrate. Uh, services and, and masses or mm. every now and then but uh, I think to me it is this kind of uh, perspective on theology is always present uh, and I did talk quite explicitly about it and also about the sisters of perpetual indulgence that I, oh. I uh, that I write about uh, to a group of of uh, yeah in a congregation with where I know that there are a lot of you know queer people and transgender people, and so just just this uh, opening up of of what divine mystery and cre creativity can be, and and mm -hmm. what being an image of God or rather an ongoing creation of of God can be, mm -hmm. um, and so and I think that to me it, it works quite well, you know, with with the liturgy and. And uh, these kind of repetitious acts that we do, because every time that I celebrate the liturgy or or Eucharist or so, I do it a bit differently. And and at times I surprise myself, but by you know dropping something or so, <laughs> and, and and so and it's keep being re recreated. Uh, you know, 
I mean, it's it's ongoing in in uh, in the liturgy as well. I find. Mm. Well, yeah. for people who don't know what you mean by the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, could you back up and and explain it a bit? Definitely. I I don't I I have no idea how famous that kind of movement is in, in the states, and because it's I don't think it's very well known here, but it's a it happened on the Easter Sunday, I think, in like the late 1960s, probably 68 or something, you know, that <laughs> that a, a bunch of queer men in the San Francisco area, of course, had um, decided to dress up as nuns because they wanted to dress up in the kind of clothing that had oppressed them hmm. uh, to kind of reclaim, uh, well, just the right to be and to be who they felt they wanted and needed to be. And so they celebrated this very unorthodox mass, I think, with like wine and and uh, condoms <laughs> or whatever it was. And, and of course, caused a huge scandal at the time. Mm. Yeah, but, but quite a few pastors and ministers uh, still supported them, mm. uh, although it was really offensive at the time. Mm-hmm. But they have just evolved into this kind of... Uh, uh, charity, fun kind of movement. They, of course, take part in pride parades all over the world, and they exist like sisterhoods in different parts of the world, mm. so that you get a a nun nickname and and you dress up as a kind of. Now you can Google for for images of them. They look they look just fun and fabulous. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what I but then there are these images, you know, more recent images uh, of them sitting in church in these kind of nun clothes. So it's like mm. uh, it, in the beginning, it was a, kind of a mockery or just a way of reclaiming and mm. and using that kind of imagery that that had been opposing them. But but after a while, you know, it's like it is as if the very materiality of of theology makes room for for mm. that which you know needs it because of course they needed it they needed those kind of christian images for their liberation because that did something that they could take that step mm-hmm. uh, and to say that yeah we will put these clothes on you know you you are you are not to you're not allowed, you you won't shut us out anymore but we will actually you know place our bodies in the middle uh, mm-hmm. of your of your imagery and and now you know well, what is it? Fifty years later or so, hmm. uh, they can actually be in 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 church, and I think, and you know, we have queer theology, and <laughs> and so we can, uh, yeah, we can embrace it. And and to me, it's as if the Christian kind of artifacts, in a sense, helped helped us to see that hmm. uh, that that transgender bodies. Uh, are also an expression of of God's creation. And yeah, we, we need to make room for them. What's so interesting to me is that um, it's a it's a kind of protest, uh, but it's it's a cry to be healed and reconnected, remembered uh, yes. back into the body of Christ, back into the community uh, of which they felt joined and then uh, separated, which is interesting because they're it's it's sort of a um, it's like a caricature that they kind of did in protest. But then you if you see them if you see them one day in church with with all the getup and everything, well, why on earth would you be in church if you if they were hurt so bad, hated them 
so much, but that's not what's going on at all. They want to be a part of the community and they want to be found. They were, you know, um, mm. members, right? So uh, it's it's a really interesting, uh, I guess, commentary on what humans need. They um, need each other, and then when it when it goes wrong. It's like an effort to belong again. Yeah, yeah. And then people who can see that for what it is can say, no, you are welcome. You are welcome here. And uh, come as you are, as just as a nun or <laughs> in, any, yeah, in yeah. any other way, and you are loved here. And it's just mm. interesting to me how uh, there was sort of a perseverance on their part to, to continue on in that and how it's actually turned out all these years later. It's, it's kind of remarkable. Yeah, yeah, it is. And also, and I, and I like also the fact that, you know, part, part of, of this book project is, is also about uh, just a sense of possibility and mm. playfulness. Uh, and it doesn't always have to be all that serious, you know, mm -hmm. that you can actually, it, it's about uh, acknowledging and opening up for, well, creativity, because theology is always or often very serious and mm. but then but then you can see these men then like playing they're having fun they're dancing and mm -hmm. and while they're dancing and also the pussy riot women and and well a lot of the artists also that I've been writing about uh, you know while you're dancing you, you kind of change the world and and change mm. uh, what what yeah what theology can be or what reality is and who's in and who's out and and so it doesn't always have to be this like hard and serious <laughs> struggle but i mean of course it has that part as well in in mm -hmm. all of in, i think uh, all of those stories uh, have both sides but but i like the playfulness and the fact that the play can actually make a difference hmm. i like the um the wonder and the curiosity that comes from uh, what other ways can this be done? And there's so many facets to how you can uh, embody theology or, or um, make it real in the world in ways that people can see, like something that's performative or artistic or, you know, whether it's drama or something else that, that's actually tells a story that people can connect with, that people can understand in a, in a human way, and mm. and even in in terms of um, even in terms of like the violence of the cross, I mm. I, I one I one time asked my theology professor, and I I said, you know. The cross, if if we're talking about atonement, is this like wh why the cross and of of all the other deaths? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just really. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, and he says, well, you know, it's not like you. Oh, here's the one answer. But he was saying the violence of what we do to each other uh, as people and the cruelty that we do to each other is so is so horrible that the cross really brings that into focus and if we can realize that there's a better way you know the god's provided a better way but there also we can see violence and cruelty for what it is a little better yeah and then we can perhaps use those that imagery 
to to wake each other up into into more humanness um, in in those embodied type of ways in those protest type of ways it could, that there's another there are other yeah, ways to yeah. do this there are other ways to live together that don't have to involve such um, you know bestial horrors yeah so uh, I wonder there's there's many ways you can do theology and, and reflect on on humanity and, and God's love that could involve things that that show violence or that show you know show something whimsical and amusing and and lo loving I mean, there's many things you could do with it but depending on what you're protesting it might need to be something that shows that shows what's actually happening in the world as violent mm. yeah and also I think that something you know just coming from from within or something sincere because I that, that I find that that's uh, often the problem with my theology students you know that they kind of especially before you know they're going to hold their first sermon or so they have this kind of insecurity can I say this can I say that <laughs> you know you would just oh but if you have to say that then you have to say it or you know if you have mm. to <laughs> whatever yeah you mm. just wish you could kind of infuse them with that kind of yeah the, mm. the fact that uh, yeah that their contribution is just important mm -hmm. there was um in terms of, I, I thought of something. I, this doesn't exactly fit in. I might have to pop it in somewhere else. But <laughs> um, there was something that I think was, in a sense, um, performative theology that happened. Unfortunately, very sad situation. But there were there was a situation where people were being brought into the United States in a um, in, in trucks, like in the in the trailers mm. of trucks, right? And mm. uh, this happens. This happens, I guess, frequently. But in this case, a lot of people were brought in and they actually died of thirst and heat within these within this trailer, right? Yeah. And um what happened was they could have they could have been okay if they had had water. They would have made it. And what happened was a spontaneous vigil where um Hispanic people, people from Central and South America gathered in vigil and with many candles, and they all started praying um, the rosary and bringing bottles of water and laying them there. Mm. And yeah. I just burst into tears when I saw that. <laughs> when I saw that on the news, uh, bringing water, candles, yeah, so beautiful, and prayers, yeah. and and thinking about how Jesus, if I'm if if um, thirsty, you give me something to drink. If I'm hungry, mm -hmm. you know, and and just thinking about how uh, th that is that is kind of doing theology and as as performance. Unfortunately, it had to be. It was done in memorial, really. But um, that those are the kind of things you do, hopefully, prior to anybody getting hurt. But that those are the those are the things that would make a difference, maybe uh, in in yeah. your life. Yeah, definitely. And I also think that they, you know, just you carrying that story and that image and, and giving it to us now in this way, I think it will affect uh, perhaps, you know, the next time we, we, we read about 
Yeah, or you know, just the sacraments. What, what's it all about? What is mm. what is Christianity about? What's the the grace and and mm. uh, and the gift and and the you know the water that will make you not thirsty again? And mm. and then uh, and I think it does broaden and widen and deepen theology, so that perhaps perhaps next time it will come even quicker to you to think that oh well this is a christian thing to do in this situation because mm-hmm. it it is connected to you know you had that you had that image of of the prayer and the candles and uh, mm-hmm. so I, I do think it it affects mm-hmm. it affects kind of the dogma what what it is what it yeah what mm-hmm. faith is and should be also in in our minds and i think that we all have that kind of a ability to contribute to that it, it, it's definitely not just theologians uh, mm. writing theology i think uh, because not many people read, read our books i think i, I think that, that that kind of performance <laughs> is a lot more efficient it does a lot more to to theology and and humanity uh, uh, yeah so maybe as a final a final nugget of wisdom. <laughs> you, what would you recommend for for uh, the ordinary person or a church leader or or someone who who wants to be more performative or bring theology into the more concrete in some sort of everyday way? Are there are there ways you think that people can do that? I think that you should perhaps just start with the next time you go to church or even uh, depending on i mean if, if you're if you're a visitor or, or if you if you're celebrating uh, just start to see that situation as a creation of theology rather than a representation of theology so that whatever mm-hmm. happens in that room teaches you something about uh, god and the mystery of of humanity and the mystery of the world rather than you thinking that uh, well I have this interpretation of, of what this text is all about and then I should uh, I should make uh, uh, you know that interpretation clear in, in the songs that I choose or whatever you know you, mm-hmm. you, you, you become this kind of director of, of the service or, or even of yourself sitting there trying to to control your thoughts so oh, I should think oh I should feel like the way I always do and <laughs> pray or whatever but just just kind of let go of all those kind of representations and just to see what happens uh, if you let the room uh, talk to you and the situation talk to you and your body and and whatever happens mm. yeah yeah it sounds like I'm encouraging a lot of chaotic services now but <laughs> but I think that you get the idea of just trying to twist the mind slightly mm. and see if something happens mm. thank you so much Petra I really appreciate that um, is there any way people can get in touch with you if they Want a little more information? Or are you findable out there on the interwebs? Oh yes, yeah, I I am. I I think that they can find my uh, my uh, uh, address and my books, and so they're welcome to to contact me if they want. Okay, I'll put all that information. I'll gather it together and put it in the show notes for this episode. But it's been really great to have you back on, and uh, let's make sure to keep in touch. And I'll have you back on again. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me again.